Let me begin by saying to you, Sawadi Cup, which is the way we greet one another in Thailand. (laughs) The ladies say Sawadi Ka, and the men say Sawadi Cup. And so I greet you from Thailand. We got home safely this past Thursday. (laughs) Actually, it was Friday morning by the time I crawled into bed. A wonderful and a fruitful mission trip to assist Jennifer and her team in northern Thailand these past two and a half weeks or so. You can hear more about the specifics of that next Sunday as Jennifer's with us and our team will be sharing pictures and stories of our experiences together. Uh, I just hope and pray that you won't miss it. It will be a very special Sunday, uh, I, I believe. And so after a two-Sunday break, while I was away, we returned this morning to our study of Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments. Roman numeral number 10, how God's people live. Let's review the timeless principles that we have studied thus far in this series. We began with an overall introduction of the Ten Commandments, how God has given us these boundaries for our benefit. And they're just as relevant and pertinent for our lives today as they were some 3,500 years ago when they were first given to the Israelites by God through Moses. Then we studied the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, putting God first in our lives. Next came the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol worshiping God purely. That was followed by the third commandment, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, exalting God's name. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day, by keeping it holy, focus on the timeless principle of taking a break weekly. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, was centered around honoring our parents. Then came the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, the broader application of which zeroed in on respecting human life. And three Sundays ago, right before we left for Thailand, we discovered the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery, which is a call to maintaining sexual purity. Roman numeral 10, how God's people live. This morning's ninth lesson brings us here to the eighth commandment, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15. Follow along in your Bible as I read today's text. Exodus 20, we focus in on verse 15. God says, You shall not steal. Four words. (laughs) You shall not steal. Let's dig into the Scripture and take a closer look at this boundary together. Again, this eighth commandment found here in Exodus 20 verse 15, You shall not steal. Steal. Now the dictionary defines steal this way. To take from another without right authority or permission, usually in a secret manner. The implied intent then of this boundary, this timeless principle for our lives, is that whatever we gain for ourselves, anything and everything that we have in our possession, is to become by fairly and scrupulously. And so stated positively, I have titled today's lesson, Pursuing Honest Gain. I believe that's what this Eighth Commandment is all about. It's all about pursuing honest gain in our lives. Now back in the 16th century, Martin Luther lamented, it is the smallest part of thieves that are hung. If we're to hang them all, where shall we get rope enough? (laughs) 
Now, if that was true nearly 500 years ago, it is certainly even more true today. Our society is on the take. Stealing is one of the most blatant sins. Let me just give you some statistics. Did you know that retailers lose over $75 billion a year from stealing? And that 70% of those losses are from their own employees? One private personnel agency calculates that time theft, the time we spend not actually working when we should be, costs U.S. companies over $100 billion a year. Hotel managers tell us that one out of every three guests steals something from their guest room. Is that amazing? It's estimated that 25% of us cheat on our taxes, costing the government over $125 billion annually. Medical insurance companies are charged over $150 billion each and every year for services that are never actually given. The University of Florida conducted a study that revealed that one out of every 11 shoppers in any given store at any given time could in fact be a shoplifter. Is that amazing? One out of 11. Here's the one that really got me. Don't miss this. 78% of those surveyed said they would not even hesitate to steal something if they thought they could get away with it. You shall not steal. One of our problems is that we have a woefully inadequate view of what constitutes stealing. We believe that stealing is something that only criminals do. Those who commit crimes like bank robbery, assault, extortion, grand larceny, and the like. However, I believe that the biblical view of stealing is much, much broader in scope. This commandment, you shall not steal, touches on the basic issues of honesty, integrity, hard work, respect for others, and financial responsibility. A.C. Price wrote about this Eighth Commandment. For the Christian, the gist of it seems to be that he should himself be thoroughly honest in heart, that honesty should characterize all of his dealings with others, and that to enrich himself by taking advantage of others is a sin in the sight of God. You shall not steal. Again, stated positively, I believe this commandment has to do with pursuing honest Gain. It's what Paul talked about in Ephesians 4 and verse 28. In fact, let's read it out loud together. Read it with me. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands. Hmm. In other words, don't steal what isn't yours. <laughs> don't cheat to get ahead. Don't take advantage of other people. Don't compromise financial integrity. Instead, pursue honest gain in your life. Now let me make a couple of observations about stealing. Let's talk for just a moment about the source of stealing. What is it that motivates us to steal? Why would we take something that is not rightfully ours? Well, perhaps we could offer a variety of excuses. Some steal because of poverty and hunger. Isn't that true? Some steal frankly, out of greed and covetousness. Some steal out of anger 
and revenge, retaliation. Some steal due to peer pressure or maybe upbringing. We were in Thailand. We found children at the border being taught by their parents to steal. And they are beat if they do not steal well. Whatever excuse we offer, the real source or the real origin of this sin is the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus put it this way, Mark 7, verses 21 through 23. Out of the heart come evil thoughts, vulgar deeds, stealing, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, greed, meanness, deceit, indecency, envy, insults, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from the heart. We can rationalize and justify all we want. We can blame this or we can blame that. But it all comes down to this. Stealing is a sign of a heart problem. A heart that is full of sin. So, why do we steal? The source of stealing is a sinful heart. Which brings us to the signs of stealing. How do we steal? Let's talk about that for a minute. As I began to unpack the meaning of this Eighth Commandment, I was surprised by all of the different ways that the Bible indicates that we disobey this timeless principle. And so in your notes, I provided actually a list of 14 signs of this sin from God's perspective. And believe me, this is no way exhaustive. (laughs) But let me just give you these and maybe it will help you to get a clearer picture of how broad this boundary really is. How do we steal? These 14 ways at least. Number one, by defrauding friends. Defrauding friends. Leviticus 19 verse 13 is very clear. Do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. (laughs) Proverbs 25 verse 13 puts it this way. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and he will hate you. (laughs) And we smile at that, but... When you really get to what's underneath that right there, in other words, we need to be careful about not misusing or abusing our friendships. About taking advantage of others in any way at all. Number two, by deceiving customers. We steal by deceiving customers. Proverbs 20, verse 23 tells us, the Lord hates dishonest scales and dishonest weights, so don't cheat. I mean, it's pretty clear that in all of our business dealings, we must be fair and just. It must be marked with integrity and honesty. Whether they're customers or whether we're just dealing with somebody in daily life. Number three, by delaying wages. By delaying wages, if you're an employer or you just have hired somebody to do something for you around the house, listen to the latter part of Leviticus 19 and verse 13. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. In other words, to delay paying someone for work that they have performed is in fact a form of stealing. Number four. By defrauding employers. By defrauding employers. Titus 2 verse 10. Paul tells us that slaves, in our culture, (laughs) employees, must not talk back nor steal 
but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy. In this way, they will make people want to believe in our Savior and God. Boy, that's an important verse. talks about our witness in the workplace. And our witness isn't going to be very good if we are stealing from our employer. Again, one of the biggest areas of theft in our society is employer, employees taking advantage of employers, pilfering, cheating on hours, doing things on personal company time, taking those nice sweet pins, <laughs> padding your expense account. It's happening way too often. Number five, by defaulting on loans. Defaulting on loans. Proverbs 37 verse 21 says, An evil person borrows and never pays back. Folks, we live in a debt-crazed society where people get themselves in over their heads and then they bail out intentionally, almost defiantly, by refusing to make payments or filing bankruptcy. Number six, by deceiving the government. (laughs) Deceiving the government. I heard somebody say recently we could erase much of our national debt if we could just get the taxpayers to quit cheating on their taxes. Now regardless of what you think about taxes, and I'm not going to get into a political debate on that, regardless of what you think of our government and its leaders, you must listen to Romans 13, verses 6 and 7. Look at it. It says, The authorities are working for God. Well, that ought to make you stop for a minute. Pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property taxes. Now please understand, it's perfectly okay to take advantage of each and every fair and just way to cut your taxes. But it's not okay to lie and cheat on your income tax return. Number seven, by declining to work. By declining to work. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 and 12 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Hmm. Now again, this is not against helping the disabled or the needy who cannot work. But there's a real problem in our country with those who can work and yet they choose instead to work the system to their own advantage. The biblical principle is clear in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. (laughs) Boy, if we followed that in our government, there would be a radical change. Number eight, by denying fair profit. By denying fair profit. Notice what Jesus said, John 10 and verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now there's a lot of meaning behind this verse. But one of the things that Jesus is referring to, the picture here is of somebody who's doing business in a shady way, under the table, if you will, and not through proper lawful channels. That's stealing. Let me name one huge example. That's violating copyright laws. Such as copying music. Uh, Illegally pirating DVDs. It's huge. 
I was invited into a church leader's home one time years ago, and I remember I had a lot of admiration for this man. And one of the first things he showed me was his library of DVDs, and he had thousands of them, and none of them were legal. To deny someone a living, they're for a profit. That's theft. Number nine, by depriving proper credit. Depriving proper credit. To fail to give credit to someone else, or worse yet, to take someone else's credit to your own self, that's plagiarism. It's dishonest. And it robs a person of his or her rights. Romans 13 verse 7 reminds us, give everyone what is rightfully theirs. If honor, then honor. Number ten, by deserting the poor. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their Maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. The Bible makes it obvious that God has a very special place in His heart for those in need. And likewise, God expects us to have compassion on the poor and to provide for their needs. To ignore them, to desert them when we have the means to help them is to cheat them. Number 11, defrauding family. It's a big one. Proverbs 28, verse 24 warns us, if you cheat your parents and don't think it's wrong, you are a common thief. To mooch off of your family, to pilfer out of your parents' funds, to borrow from relatives without ever paying them back, to expect your family to always be there to bail you out of the mess that you yourself have created. (laughs) Those are just some of the ways that we might defraud family. Number 12, by defying the law. Deuteronomy 19 and verse 14 reads, Do not move your neighbor's boundary stones set up by your predecessors. In other words, don't defy the law by taking it into your own hands for your own advantage. If you have a legitimate legal concern, then follow the proper channels for that. Don't lie, don't cover up, don't cheat the system. Notice the Proverbs 17.23 says, It's wrong to accept a bribe or to twist justice. (laughs) And all I'm trying to say is that 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 which is right is right. (laughs) Fairness, justice cannot be bought, cannot be twisted. Number 13, by despoiling believers. I had to put this one in because unfortunately there have always been religious racketeers who want to squeeze as much money as possible from good, innocent Christian people. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 5 tells us these people think religion is supposed to make you rich. And these hucksters, these swindlers are still at it today with their prosperity gospel message and their mail order schemes and their telecommunication fundraisers. All I'm trying to say is in all that sea of appeals that comes your way on television or through the mail, beware. Do your homework. Number 14, by defrauding God. Wow. Defrauding God. Don't miss Malachi 3 and verse 8. Here's another one for us to read out loud together. Would you read this one with me? Will a man rob God? Surely not. And yet you have robbed me. What do you mean? When did we ever rob you? You have robbed me of the tithes and offerings due to me. (laughs) Do you get that? Simply put, when we fail to give, God says we're stealing from Him. That's what He says. I didn't make that up. 
It's God's Word. The signs of sealing. Fourteen ways that we may be guilty of sealing. Fourteen ways we may overstep this boundary. And again, that's not an exhaustive list that I've given you. My point really is just this. Stealing is a much, much broader subject than we may think in God's eyes at first glance. Which leads us then to draw some conclusions. You shall not steal, pursuing honest gain. Maybe you find yourself guilty of one or more of these ways of stealing that we've mentioned this morning. Perhaps you know your life is not measuring up completely to this timeless principle of integrity. So what do you do now? Well, let me give you some practical suggestions on how you can turn things around. Seven practical steps to pursuing honest gain in your life. Step number one, of course, is a recognition of your sin. I want you to know that this call to honesty and integrity, by the way, is one that steps on my toes too. I am a fellow pilgrim with you in this struggle. In fact, look at Romans 2 and verse 21. You who preach against stealing, do you steal? (laughs) I found that when I went, Ouch! (laughs) That's convicting. God's been working on my heart as I prepared this lesson, that's for sure. So now, what about you? (laughs) Do you recognize where you fall short in this area? When we went through that long list a moment ago, what specific areas of stealing do you perhaps need to work on? I urge you to take some time this week to go back through that list again, those 14 things, to look up those Scriptures on your own. And as you're doing that, to to just simply say, God, search my heart and reveal to me any way whatsoever where I'm not being honest, where I don't have integrity, where I'm not completely above board, where I'm not clean in this area. God will do that if you ask Him to. Step number two. As a repentance from your sin. Repentance from your sin. After identifying your particular sin or sins, it's necessary to change your conduct and your behavior. It's not enough just to be sorry. Your sorrow must lead to action. Notice what God promises in Ezekiel 33, verses 14 through 16. If he turns away from his sins and does what is just and right, returns what he has stolen, none of the sins he has committed will be remembered against him. Isn't that a great promise? Where there is repentance, where there is godly sorrow leading to change, God promises forgiveness. Step number three is restitution to others. Restitution. doesn't get any clearer than Exodus 22 and verse 3. A thief must certainly make restitution. Pay for his theft. Actually, the first 15 verses of Exodus 22 are all devoted to this step of restitution. And it depends upon the kind of theft. Sometimes the ratio is one for one, sometimes two for one, sometimes four for one, sometimes five for one, sometimes even seven for one. (laughs) Read Exodus 22, 1 through 15 on your own. You'll see what I mean. But whatever the ratio, it's quite clear that part of the process of 
Dealing with this sin of stealing is restitution. And at the very least, you must make restitution of equal value. We must make things right. Step number four is a reception of the consequences. Reception of the consequences. Galatians 6 and verse 7 reminds us, do not be deceived, a man reaps what he sows. And frankly, often there is a penalty to be paid for stealing or for dishonest gain. Sometimes it's a legal thing, such as fines or imprisonment. Sometimes it's just logical, such as the loss of a job or a relationship. And as you move through the process from dishonesty to honesty, you must be willing to accept whatever the consequences may be for your sin. Step number five is rehabilitation to honest gain. Rehabilitation. Once again, I call your attention to Ephesians 4 and verse 28, this time from J.B. Phillips' translation. The man who used to be a thief must give up stealing and do an honest day's work with his own hands. It may take a period of adjustment or retraining. I call it rehabilitation, but it's worth it. There's nothing like hard work, financial responsibility, and honesty and integrity. The person with honesty and integrity never has to worry about getting caught. Step number six is a renewal of your giving. A renewal of your giving. Now that may seem like a weird step to include in the process, but I believe it's very vital to the process. Don't overlook God's promise. Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10. Is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithe and I will pour out on you in abundance. Did you catch that? I will pour out on you in abundance, God says. If you want God's blessing, His abundance, you're going to have to decide to put Him first. You're going to have to decide to bring the full amount of the tithe. You're going to have to decide to offer Him the first fruits, not the leftovers of your income. And if you do that, you have God's promise. I will pour out on you in abundance. The only question is, do you trust God enough to try it? Step number seven is reward from God. That's the end result of your efforts, by the way. God rewards those who pursue honest gain. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 20. Honest people will lead a full, happy life, but if you are in a hurry to get rich, you're going to be punished. (laughs) Again, when we follow the directions, when we live life God's way according to these boundaries that we've been studying together God blesses he rewards us for our obedience seven steps to pursuing honest gain a recognition of your sin repentance from your sin restitution to others a reception of the consequences rehabilitation to honest gain a renewal of your giving And then comes the reward from God. All of which leads us to a time of decision. Roman numeral 10, how God's people live. This morning we've taken a closer look at the 8th of these 10 commandments, pursuing honest gain. Exodus 20 verse 15, You shall not 
steal. This then is your memory verse for this week. We can do this, right? Alright, say it out loud with me. You shall not steal. See, you got it already. <laughs> now, what I want you to do with that is I want you to talk with others around you about this. This next week, bring this up at the office. Bring this up at your workplace. Bring this up at a family gathering. Bring this up to your neighbor. Bring this up to your schoolmate. Bring this up to you know just family and friends around you, people you bump into. Hey, you know we're studying the Ten Commandments at church, and and uh, you shall not steal is one of those commandments. What do you think that means? Does that have any relevance for our lives today? Huh? You'll be surprised at some of the answers. And then, finally, of course, you need to apply this to your own life. Each of us needs to look into our own individual lives, our hearts. And before God, we need to say, God, where, where am I stealing? Where am I not being honest? Where do I not have integrity? Where, where am I not totally and completely pure and clean and holy in this area of my life? It's decision time. Here's the question. What's the main point of today's lesson and how will it impact me personally this week?